Good morning, LBC Radio. My name is Corey Rosen, and you're listening to The Story Podcast. Today, I have on a super awesome guest, but before we get into that, if you would really like to support the show, we have some merchandise over at facebook.com forward slash the story Corey Rosen. If you want to buy stickers, t-shirts, or hoodies with the logo on the front and the first 50 guests on the back, you can do so. Please please know that this is a limited time offer. They will supply and first come, first serve until supplies last. With that said... I have on Miss Jen Felty. Jennifer, a Lancaster County native, had a love for musical theater and sports at a very young age. She spent her childhood on the stage, the soccer field, the volleyball and basketball court, and behind the piano or cello. Despite the pleadings of her coaches and directors, she continued playing sports, doing theater, and doing music all at the same time. She excelled at soccer in college, where she gained an All-American status her senior year. She has a bachelor's degree and vocal performance from Houghton. Houghton. I was about to say Houghton. Houghton College slash University, (laughs) New York, a second bachelor's degree in business administration and Bible from LBC, and a master's of music degree in vocal performance and pedagogy from Penn State. Jen has performed in numerous musicals as well as opera productions in, in regional theaters. Her favorites include Denise in Smoke on the Mountain, Carrie and Carousel, and singing while playing the banjo, fiddle, and upright bass at the Grand Old Opry, and accompanying TV program Opry Backstage. Most recently, she has been focusing on directing shows, teaching voice, and managing the careers of her two children. You can find Jen and her projects on her Facebook or Instagram at Red Accordion Studios or website www.redaccordion.com. With all that said, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. You're like, I got through that, I got so I'm through, good. Right. That's, that's, that's half the battle of this podcast is just getting all of that correctly in one smooth flow. Yeah. It doesn't happen all the time. Sorry, nailed it. <laughs> so what was it, do you think, as a, as a child that sparked your theater, your acting bug? I, I Probably church. Hmm. Um, so singing in the church choir um, called God's Notes. It's like the little kids choir at our church. And I know our church did musicals every year. And as a kindergartner, I was asked to play like the young role in the show. And um, I guess that's what did it. I don't know. It's kind of funny. I like I have this crazy music memory. So I remember exactly what I had to sing in that show. Wow. (laughs) And I know it's so weird. Um, And it was also a weird song. It was like a biblical times thing and. Yeah, so I guess that's what started it. I didn't do as much theater as kids these days do Mm. growing up. Like, I don't remember doing a whole lot other than at church until I was in high school. So what was it in high school that you started out as? High school, so I was an athlete, as mentioned in my bio. And I think it was was my choir director that was like, hey, why don't you try out for the musical? Like, after getting to know me freshman year. And I was like, well, I play basketball. Like, that's during musical season. I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't do both. And... It's like, well, you should you should quit basketball and do this. And I was like, um. <laughs> so I don't I don't know what that whole thought process was, but I do remember that my dad was you know a little upset that I quit basketball because that mm. was his sport, uh, his main sport. So quit basketball and picked up volleyball instead because you know why, why not? not? Right. So it was volleyball, musical, and soccer for my my time in high school, and so sophomore year was my first. Big musical. That's so. that's a lot. Because I remember doing soccer and the theater at the same time, and that was a lot. Yeah, they didn't they didn't overlap. Like yeah. I was still in choir and orchestra, and by that point, my piano teacher had dropped me because mm. she actually said to me when I was in eighth grade, "You need to either quit some of these sports or quit piano," and that was upsetting to me so (laughs) i'm quitting you well we're just gonna quit piano so that's what happened there but um yeah so they didn't really overlap until musical overlapped with soccer for a week Mm. and my soccer coach was like hey if you come in here and you're in shape you know then it's it's fine but you got to come in and and run the mile in whatever time it was and at that point in my life that was not a problem it would be today (laughs) if i had to go do that but it was yeah. a problem for me back then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> we're all a little different, but <laughs> so uh, from there, what did you do? Did you uh, you did you excel at the theaters in high school? Um, yes, I suppose so. Um, it so. was what did you, what I did said. You I had imagined. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. We did Babes in Arms, which is like an obscure show. My sophomore year, my junior year, we did Stephen Sondheim's Follies, which is another show I have to see. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but here's the thing: it's it's an incredible show, but it's a very, I would I'd say adult show, and I don't mm. necessarily mean by content, but mature. It's yeah, very mature and crazy to think about a group of high schoolers putting on the show. Mm. Um, but the reason that uh, the director, who was Alan Mudrick, the reason he decided to do it was we were they were building a new performing arts center at Hemfield. I went to Hemfield High School. So that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> they were building a new performing arts center. So this was going to be the last show in the Hackman Auditorium. And Follies is about a reunion of a theater, um, all the showgirls, like Zigfield Follies kind of thing. Um all the showgirls came back and the actors and dancers and for this big reunion because they were going to tear the theater down and mm. make it a parking lot. And so that was his reason for doing the show. The show is brilliant. It's like a you have flashbacks. So you have all of the actors like as, you know, their older selves and then the younger Our version guests. of them. Yeah. yeah. So kind of like ghostly figures. That's so cool. I was like the ghostly opera lady, which I was upset about because I wanted a bigger role. <laughs> But it was a very specific <laughs> skill set needed to sing that very high soprano role. So, sure. Anyway, but yeah, so that was the last one. And then, so I performed in the first show in what is still there, the Performing Arts Center at Hempfield, which was Pirates of Penzance. And I was Mabel. So that was the lead of the show. So, awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so is that, is, was it at that point that you decided that's what you wanted to do forever or? Um, I was going between a degree in medicine of some sort, biology, Mm. possibly becoming a surgeon, (laughs) um, and psychology and music. So those were the three areas that I was considering. And my junior year, I was on a missions trip in Venezuela. It was actually a sports outreach missions trip. Um, so it was during that trip, so played all the sports, and then the last night, they kind of opened up to anybody who would want to sing or whatever, so I was like, oh, I'll sing a song. So I sang, and they like looked at me like, why, why didn't you let us know you could sing? I'm like, I'm here to play sports, like I'm playing mm-hmm. the sports. And so anyway, through all of that, like God just kind of spoke to me and said, just sing. I was like, okay, <laughs> what do I do with that? What does that mean? That was, it was weird because like I had never really experienced anything like that before. So I decided to major in music and decided that going to school for vocal performance would teach me what I need to know to have longevity in the career mm. and know how to take care of my instrument and all of that kind of thing. And there weren't a ton of musical theater programs at that time either. So was kind of why I decided on the music route um, and then had an issue because I knew I was going to play soccer in college. So then it was trying to figure out, OK, well, how how big do I go with either one? Like, where do I go? Because I was recruited a little bit for some D1 schools and knew that I couldn't make music happen there. And right. so I was trying to make that decision, finding that balance. And um, my high school soccer coach, who actually coaches the guys now at Hemfield, he went to Houghton and he told me, he's like, hey, you should check out Houghton. They have a great music program and great soccer team. And mm-hmm. so I got the best of both worlds there. That's awesome. So what does it mean to be on the All-American as it, like a senior year? So they, I don't even really know how they choose it based on your stats, I guess, and whatever else. So they choose kind of like, it's kind of like an all-star team. Yeah. So, but it's just like all of America. <laughs> <laughs> so they choose. <laughs> they choose the players that I guess excelled for that year. And what was your position? Um, I think I think it was forward. Forward, okay. Senior. It's so funny. Um, it, my soccer coach has now moved to a different school, but and Houghton has come to play LBC. Oh. So 
I see him every other year when they would come down to play LBC and he would just like talk to my kids or my husband and just rattle off all this stuff that I did. And I don't remember any of it. Wow. Like it's so funny because it was so important to me at that time. And yet I don't know. He's like, oh yeah, remember that game when you score? I was like, no, (laughs) no, I don't remember that. So yeah, my senior year, I actually got hurt. Um, in a preseason game, a mm. bad ankle injury. It wasn't broken, but it was bad enough that I spent practices in the training room, either in the pool or the bike or whatever, trying to stay in shape. And then I would play games. <laughs> so wow. somehow that was a good combination because I had a pretty amazing senior year. Like it was, yeah, it was crazy. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, I was like regional player of the week twice and national player of the week once. And really? Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I right, think, yeah. I don't know. I probably scored a lot of goals or had a lot of, of assists or something. But that's yeah, wild. so that was, that was that. But I will say like the one thing that stuck with me from soccer and my coach was a joke that he's Reverend Dr. Coach David Lewis. <laughs> Um, <laughs> try to put them in the right order. Right. Um, and God first, degree second. Yeah. So. <laughs> so I, the one we lost, we lost a really big game. Mm. And again, don't remember much about it other than we were all devastated and there were lots of cheers. And I remember him saying like, what is this loss in light of eternity? Mm. And at the time, I was like, oh, God, we lost. It's awful. Like, (laughs) the worst thing in the world. And now, like, I can't even give you any details about it at all. Other than I knew we were upset. And but that's what I remember. So that's kind of the takeaway. Like, something that seems so big and so important to you right now that you don't get or that you lose or that, you know, bad that happens to you, it's not going to be, it's not going to feel that bad forever. And what is that in light of eternity? Right. It's not so. Yay, coach. Thanks for the the words of wisdom there. He's an awesome guy. Yeah. Still in touch with him, so it's very cool. So what was your college experience like at Houghton then? Um, It was a little crazy. Like I had mentioned um, in my bio, when I I went there to interview and to audition, I'm not sure if he was the head of the music department at the time. He might have been. He was like, "You, you can't major in music and play soccer. It's like, oh. Why, why not? <laughs> right, right. And so I don't know how I ended up doing it anyway. Um, but and it took a while. I think I had to prove myself to everybody. Mm. And then the music people would start coming to the soccer games. And of course, like my soccer, my soccer team came to all of my performances and stuff like that. And it's a small school, it's 1200 students. So awesome. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot to juggle. And I won't say that I had the best grades ever because, you know, Priorities. There was a lot going on. Yep. Um, I I mean, I did I did fine, but right. um, it was just kind of funny because then I went to grad school and had like a 4.0 until my son was born. And then I think my final GPA was like 3.85 uh, having a baby like my last semester. <laughs> so oh, wow. um, it's yeah, it, priorities and priorities, whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> also very busy, obviously, with with both things. But. Yeah, so my time with Houghton was great. I was burnt out with soccer by the time I got to school Mm. and had to play because it was helping to pay for college. Um, But I would not, I wouldn't do it differently. Like my coach alone and then um, just my friends and that support system. And then having like the best of both worlds with friends, (laughs) with like the athletes and then the musicians (laughs) because they're very different. Very different. Yeah, so it just gave me that that balance, I guess. That's awesome. What do you think was the top things that you learned from college in regards to your career? My career. Hmm. I think that you, you have to, you have to advocate for yourself and you have to just, you have to put in the work Mm. and go for it. So my voice teacher, um, was amazing it clearly God had a great plan for my life and, you know, had Dr. King as my voice teacher. Um, I learned so much from him, but he was also the only teacher that would allow musical theater to be sung there because it's a very classical school. Um, 
So yeah, it was almost like, hey, how do you get to sing musical theater stuff? This <laughs> is like, well, that's what I want to do. And he was willing to allow me to do that. But when it came to my career, it was like, hey, I want to try to get a theater job this summer. He only knew the opera world. Mm. So that, and again, he was very supportive and the best fit for me. And again, still in touch with him. He came to my wedding. Um, yeah, uh, great guy. But I had to do the research. I had to figure out the musical theater world. So I don't. I think that was the best possible thing, though, because I had to do it myself. So what was the one of the, maybe the most challenging things and for you to figure out how to do that? Um, ooh, figuring out. Actually, so there used to be this book. And now it's probably all on the internet. Um, but there's a book of all the theaters in the country and what shows they would be doing for their season, who to contact to like send audition materials or whatever. So it was in book form. Wow. So whether or not that still exists, I'm not sure. Because clearly you can find a lot more on the internet than you could then. And I had a laptop. Like, I was like the first class at Houghton to like, hey, here's a laptop when you came in the door. Wow. So it's not like, you know, and that old. Um, but it was so looking through that book, finding theaters, filmed my audition because I was in upstate New York, like out in the middle of nowhere, literally out in the middle of nowhere. It surprises me how middle of nowhere you can be in this in New York. Yeah. There was a blinking light the next town over. I. <laughs> I, I went up to New York and, and I hit gravel roads. Yeah. Not, not dirt, not, yeah. not, you know, regular asphalt, but gravel. It's, and I hit, I didn't know you could hydroplane on gravel yeah. <laughs> <laughs> until then. It's, it's scary. Yeah. It is scary, yeah. So I, I filmed my audition and sent, and now this ages me a little bit, sent VHS tapes in the mail. And like, hey, this is going to this theater. This is going to this theater. So I got a call from a theater asking me to send them send them another video. And they wanted Denise's monologue. You know where this is going. Denise's monologue from Smoke on the Mountain. And I think they wanted to see me playing guitar or something. So I was like, okay. So I tried to find that monologue and could not find it anywhere. Like, uh, library searches online, couldn't find it. So I was like, well, I'll just put this, like, I almost didn't do it. I was like, well, I'll just give them something. And right. so sent it away. Um, I don't remember what the initial question was, but this like, is whatever. Um, this, this was my first professional job, so this yeah. is kind of a big deal. Um, and so sent the videotape, and I don't remember what time of the year it was. It was probably... January, February-ish. What's usually when you start auditioning for summer stuff. I got a phone call on April 1st. So April Fool's Day. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I am literally about to walk out of my dorm room. This is when you had like a landline in your dorm room, which was better than one in the hallway, which, right, you course. know, I guess previous to my life at college. Um, I was I had my bags packed, was about to walk out the door to get on the bus to go to the airport and fly to Australia with my soccer team. So my soccer team was going to Australia on a missions trip and okay. we were leaving and it was April 1st. And here's this phone call from this theater in Tennessee saying, hi, we'd like to offer you the role of Denise in Smoke on the Mountain and understudy for Eliza in My Fair Lady. And it starts, you know, this time and this is how much you'll get paid and company housing and da 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 and I'm like what, what? what? <laughs> like, is this is this a joke wait am I allowed to do that who is this the is this a real thing like you know I'm still a who young girl you? I can't I think it was my sophomore year in college my parents had moved to Arizona and from Lancaster and I was like can I do that can I like, can I go live somewhere else in the sun right. and do this and get paid? What? So it was like a, a crazy thing. So I did all the research that I could do. I don't think I gave them an answer until I got back. I don't think, I don't remember. Um, but I ended up doing it and that was, yeah, that was my first professional gig. So yeah, they were, and they smoke on the mountain has seven people in the cast 
And they're all on stage the whole time. Oh, wow. And it takes place in South Carolina in like the 1930s. And they all play instruments on the stage. And there's like 27 bluegrass gospel songs in the show. And the way that they did it at that theater, they had the exclusive rights to that show in Tennessee. So they had done it forever. And I was going into a production that was already running. And um, they, they put it on that everyone in the show has to play all of the instruments. So I played guitar and piano and cello, which clearly isn't in bluegrass music, and only played guitar enough like that I taught myself right. since I got one when I graduated from high school. Um, so then they're like, oh, you play the cello. Could you pick up the violin? It's like, I can pick it up. I don't know if I right. can play it. <laughs> but So I did. I played the violin in the show and then had to learn banjo and mandolin and upright bass and all of the things. What was that process like figuring out those stringed instruments? It was, it was interesting. Um, once you play guitar, honestly, like it's a secret, it's actually easy to play the other instruments. (laughs) I had figured that out. Yeah. Yeah. So, but to like learn all of the songs and memorize them and they all have the same chord structure. It's like one, four, five, like mostly. so. So it's like, Oh wait, what key does this start in? And then, Wait, this song is over. What in, where do I put the instrument down? Where do mm. I get my next instrument? What key is it in? It was more all of the logistics. Yeah. So a bunch of the people in the cast were going to Florida. Um, there was like a couple of days of break. And so I went with them and literally sat on a boat and learned to play these instruments. So it was just like, <laughs> here it is, play this. And so I was just like, wait, how do you play that chord? Wait, what's that? And that was my process. That's awesome. So I think the accent was actually harder to learn. Really? So it's like a thick country, southern accent. And You think you could pull it out? I Well, always, yeah. Um, but I had to sit across from someone that grew up in that region and she was like, she'd say the word, and I would say it back. And she'd be like, no, and no. say it again. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like, a feeling like I was doing a pretty good job, and she's not. But, yeah, it's like, um, I have to think of what the, I used to know the monologue, like the back of my hand, and now I can't think of what it is. But uh, my brother Dennis and I are twins. I'm the oldest by four minutes. Dennis and I go to Cullowy Bible School. So it's like really hard. Right, and, yeah. yeah. Very much the, the country girl. Yeah. So it was great when we did a show, like we used to travel the show. And when like old ladies would come up to me and be like, I grew up there. You reminded me of my girlfriends when we were. So I was like, wow, I guess I guess I did it. Yeah. No, I, my family in Texas, they sounded pretty bang on for yeah. what they sound like. Yeah. yeah so. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm curious, what's the process of, of learning different accents? How many accents have you had to learn? Um, I have not. Well, I haven't had to do too many in shows. I For me, it's gotten easier through the years, especially with all of my vocal training, mm. um, with uh, foreign language diction and having to take so many different languages and things like oh, that. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, so it's gotten better. Like my ear is pretty good. Um, most recently I w- had to do an Irish accent and then a Ukrainian accent. I think it was Ukrainian, um, for once. Mm. Um, so I, <laughs> this was, this is another tip. Um, have you ever heard of Fiverr? Yes. Yeah. So I literally went on Fiverr and found someone in the exact region where this character is supposed to be from. And sent him it was a guy I was like that's all right I can deal with a guy saying the words as opposed to a girl which is a little different um sent him my my sides like my callback dialogue okay and he, he recorded it for me so then I heard someone from that exact region yeah. <laughs> like doing it it's like I don't think there's any better way to figure this out so that's how I had to learn uh, the Scottish action for uh, Shrek. Mm. So he sent me so many DVDs of how to to learn the dic- the diction and yeah. and all that stuff because it was just foreign to me. Yeah. Um, literally. Right. Quite literally. <laughs> yes. Uh, stuff that's I didn't do it justice at all because mm-hmm. 
I was busy. Well, <laughs> yeah, it does take time. And it does. Ta- it takes like the proper model as well. Yeah. So if you're listening, you know, like somebody had mentioned um, earlier when we were talking before the show about Bert in Mary Poppins. Uh, my son played him his freshman year in high school. And, you know, it's like, who do I listen to? <laughs> mm. Do I listen to the Broadway recording? Do I listen to this recording? Like trying to figure out who did it best and right. then, yeah, kind of duplicate that or figure it out on your own. <laughs> so uh, where was this, the the theater that you went to for Denise? This was in Crossville, Tennessee. So it's like <laughs> an hour. Let's see if this is right. I might have it backwards. An hour from Knoxville and two hours from Nashville. Okay. So that's where that was. What was it like going from uh, New York to Tennessee? That, um, well, because I was out in the middle of nowhere, (laughs) as far as that goes. um, I think the the bigger difference there was going from a Christian bubble Mm. to the, I love to call it the real world of theater, um, because it's not a real world. It's play. <laughs> it's make believe. But going from yeah, my my Christian bubble to um, cast housing in a regional theater. So that was um, that was it, a very different world, and yet one that I love, <laughs> and one that I I see as a mission field. Mm. So yeah, so what happens next? What happens after that after theater that experience? I did not want to go back to school because I was doing what I wanted to be doing and was making money and they would have kept me there and it was great. <laughs> so it was it was hard to go back to school. Mm. I went back to school and it was it was a struggle um, and uh, tried to get a job, I think, the following summer, like a similar situation and didn't happen the same way. So I went to Arizona for that summer home, um, had to find, made some friends like in the young adult group at church, which was great. And then I decided, well, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to study. So I did um, like a uh, acting on film course and took some dance classes and got new headshots, things like that. So did that until I went back to school my senior year and got a phone call from that theater in oh goodness did they call me maybe in December or January I'm like hey can you come back down and do smoke on the mountain again, again. and uh because it was it was just constantly running okay um and I forget what else they wanted they had for me at that point um but it was so it was my senior year and I was doing my senior recital I think it was like the end of January beginning of February so I stayed at school through my recital, and then I left hmm. my senior year. <laughs> right, of course. So, again, I think because Houghton is a smaller school, um, was able to work it out that I finished my classes, um, would email assignments. At that point, I was taking um, a form and analysis class, independent study. Oh, my. So, but because it was independent study, right. like it was like all these things kind of just, they were set up. For yeah. me to leave, and I didn't realize that until it happened. Um, yeah, the only thing was like for me to do that independent study class. The professor, the deal that the professor made with me was that I play cello in the orchestra. So kind of left um, left him hanging on that one a little bit. But um, yeah, so I left and went down and finished my classes, and I flew back to graduate, um, and went went back down to Tennessee. And did you stay for in Tennessee for? A long time? I stayed in Tennessee, did a bunch of shows. Um, then they were going to move Smoke on the Mountain to the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, which is where the Grand Old Opry used to be. Mm-hmm. And they were considering me for the role. <laughs> um, and so at that point, like after that first time down in Tennessee, I went back to Houghton and took violin lessons. So had played yeah. it in shows all summer and then was like, I probably should learn how to play. I feel like I might need this again. So I went back and took violin lessons. Why all the way back to Houghton? Well, I mean, when I was in school. So after oh, the first okay. time. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So I went back for my junior year and started taking violin lessons. Gotcha. I also took classical guitar. Um, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
it's a beautiful instrument, <laughs> but, um, so yeah. So fast forward to after had, having graduated in Tennessee, they want me to, they want to see what's going on. They're like, well, if you get the role, you need to work with a fiddle coach. Mm. So I was like, okay. So they gave me a fiddle coach. Like I didn't have to pay for a fiddle coach. Oh, they gave awesome. me a fiddle coach. And then she's like, you probably should have a better instrument. And I was like, okay, but I don't like, I don't have money. <laughs> right. So they actually helped to pay for my, but it was crazy. Um, they helped to pay for it and I paid them back a little bit. Like, I don't know. They were really great with all of that. That's awesome. So new instrument, fiddle coach, got the role then. So went to Nashville and did Smoke on the Mountain there. And that was probably like the best of my life at, up to that point because <clears throat> I was getting paid very well. And we only had shows Thursday through Sunday. And I had an apartment with uh, like my mom, <laughs> the, the woman who played my mom in the show. Okay. Um, and yeah, so I was enjoying Nashville and life and doing the show. So how did you go from doing your theater show to the Grand Old Opry and that TV show? Yeah, so they invited our cast to be to come and perform on the Grand Old Opry. Mm. So they sent a limo and we rode in a limo to the Grand Old Opry, got out with all of our instruments and <laughs> it was like our family band, as I'm sure, you know, everyone does that goes to play at the at of the course. Opry. It's just we were nobodies. Um so, yeah, so we did a few songs from the show in character, in costume, with my lovely blonde wig at the time. It was not lovely at all. It was so bad. My, the guy who played my twin brother had blonde hair, and my mother in the show also had blonde hair. So, therefore, you had So, they have... made me a blonde, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we did that, and then we did the, the TV show where they kind of sit and interview and talk to you. And What was all that like? It was I, – I didn't fully – I, I full I appreciated the fact that I was on TV. Like that was cool. <laughs> and like people could watch it. So that was that was fun. But I didn't fully appreciate the history of mm. and the the privilege that it was to be even backstage at the Grand Old Opry yeah. and then on stage. I did and the same thing with the Ryman. I, I I definitely appreciate all of that so much more now than mm -hmm. I did at that time being 21 <laughs> and um, being a classically trained singer, which was also very interesting because when I first got hired in the role, they're like, oh yeah, it's an alto belt role. I was like, I am a classically trained soprano. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so I learned, it's so funny when I watch, um, when I watch videos <laughs> from that first summer, Versus when I went back down and started to like understand more and learn better how to belt and do things like that. Right. There was a huge difference. And I can't believe they hired me back after after having me sing like the way I did. It was definitely not 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 OK. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it was a lot of a lot of learning. Um, but yeah, definitely appreciate the experience more in hindsight than I did in the moment. But, so after that, did you choose to go back to uh, LBC and do music degrees there? No, I was still I was still acting. Um, they hired me. They kept. I mean, they wanted me around, so hey. I kept getting more contracts and more shows with them. And back back in Crossville at the time, um, they actually have actors that I worked with that are still there. Wow. And some that have gone, like my stage manager for the show, stage managed off-Broadway and on-Broadway, and now he's the artistic director at the theater. Wow. So lots of people still around. It's just that kind of place, and it's a really great place. Um, and Clearly, it must be. Yeah, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, wouldn't have had the career that I had or be where I am if it wasn't for that theater. So, and the, yeah, people that cast me initially, of course. But, yeah, so I was still down there, and... Um, it, uh, fast forward to October after having graduated college, and that's when um, a friend came to visit me from Lancaster and was like, hey, my friend is in town. We should go hang out with him, and that friend ended up being my husband, um, so that's when I met my husband in um, October, and we got engaged in January, married in August, and then life changed a little bit. 
A little bit. So, yeah. So I was working um, pretty much at that theater while we were dating. And then after we got engaged, January-ish, I was hired at uh, the Barter Theater in Virginia. And that's when I was offered an equity contract. So mm. I became part of the Actors Union at that point. And it was probably a little early for me to make that jump. But knowing that I was getting married to an equity actor, <laughs> I thought, well, if I ever want to work with him, I'm going to have to be equity. Yep. Yeah. So um, I finished my contract there not too long before we got married. The month before we got married, he was offered the Les Mis tour full time. Uh, he had been in and out of the tour just as a substitute um, or covering vacations and things mm -hmm. like that. So once we got married, then we were on the road with Les Mis. He was in it. I was a wife. And then, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I started teaching some people in the cast, um, doing voice lessons, and actually taught violin to um, one of the young Cosette Eponine girls in the show. Wow. Who ironically, like we just kind of just reconnected with, and uh, she's going to be performing at um, Radio City in the Christmas show this year. So wow, yeah. So it's, it's crazy to meet people you meet. Yeah, yeah, crazy, crazy life. So yeah, that's. Uh, I went back to that theater then. I think one more, the theater in Tennessee. One more time before we got married, and then. Yeah, being so then once you get married, things change a little bit. And as theater people, it's like you can choose to be together or not. Or not. Yep. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't like the not option. <laughs> um, but after being on the road and like, you know, handful of voice lessons a week, it's I just it I needed to be doing something different. And so we decided that I would go ahead and go for a master's degree. Mm. So um, that was that process. So we ended up in um, China and South Korea with the tour of Les Mis and wow. came back to the States. And it was like two weeks before I moved into our apartment in Penn State. So it was like crazy timing. Yeah, yeah. crazy timing. Um, so went to Penn State. My husband's on the road and we saw I don't think we went more than I think three weeks was like the maximum that we went without seeing each other. Um, usually it was bad. like two weeks. No. So, um, yeah, got a degree. I was a, a grad assistant there. So it was, the degree was paid for. So that was pretty cool. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. And health insurance. So important. It was a great gig. Yeah. Yeah. So at what point did you decide that you wanted to start your own business? That was many years in the future. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so backtracking then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got I got my degree from Penn State and in vocal pedagogy because again, like that's bringing in that medical mm -hmm. part of my life that I always wanted. Uh, because Explain it's pedagogy. For pedagogy, it's di diagnosing and correcting vocal faults or problems, but it's very much like you learn about all of the anatomy in this region of the, <laughs> of the body. Like, that's all I know. Um, I did have an anatomy class in high, in high school and loved it. So it was right up, right up my alley. Some vocal pedagogy programs actually work on cadavers. Um, Penn State did not. Um, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what I would think about that. <laughs> but I didn't have to worry about it because we didn't do that. But um, so it's, it's being able, like, to know what's going on inside. Right. Um, so it's just like that higher level of understanding and vocal health type things. And I can hear when there's a problem often and usually Do know what it problem? is. <laughs> well, I don't know. Mm. Not a vocal problem, but <laughs> just kidding. Um, mostly when singing, though sometimes when right. actually the speaking voice is obviously very closely connected. So oftentimes I will have to work with a student on the way they're speaking mm. <laughs> because it's not serving them well when they're singing. Um, so, yeah, that's what that was. What are some practices that people do for fun or for cool effect that is god awful for your voice? Ooh, well, any kind of screaming is bad. Um, any kind? Well, yeah. I mean excessively that's the thing like knowing what is what is a healthy amount mm. and what is not 
um, yeah, I was going to mention someone that went to school here that I taught, but maybe I won't, um, who was in a, a band and had like a pretty, pretty good following and would just like the sound was, was his sound. And you don't like, I don't want to change what's already working for him. Right. But I want to make sure that he has longevity in his career. Of course. And so did his voice change after our training? Yeah, a little bit. But also made sure that he was aware of like, you know, this is the healthiest way you can do this. And if you do this, if you go this far and do like, you know, kind of grovelly, screaming, screlting, right. like scream belting, um, then you need to do this afterwards to make sure that you heal what you've just done. So mm. it's kind of a balance. But I think the biggest thing that people do, even in their speaking nowadays, and I find that I do it myself as well, um, but just that like lower pitch, like talking, vocal, right, and then the vocal is, fry comes yeah. in, and like that's not helping, <laughs> not helping any kind of health in there. So, what does it do to your vocal cords? They, they literally like, um, <laughs> we're, you know, nobody's seen what I'm doing here, but your vocal cords are like hitting and smacking together in a way that is not healthy for them to do so. So typically like there's this nice gliding undulating pattern right. when you're singing and then you're just making them like a hit and rub in ways that, you know, not. it's going to cause a blister or, you know, like yeah, a, a nodule or note. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds painful. Oh, yeah. That's bad. Oh. Don't want that to happen. Never vocal fry <laughs> ever again. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. So back to the the chronological history. Graduated. Uh, we are on the road for a while with our newly born son and decided, and the dog. <laughs> <laughs> we had, yeah, we had the dog actually first. Um, yeah. She she was she was a great road dog. Uh, a lot of people in the cast had dogs, and mm. it just you know that companionship and right. whatever. So Don't they were all crazy. friends. We'd take them to whatever dog park they had in the town that we were in, and they'd play, and it was a good time. Uh, so yeah, dog and a, a baby, and um, eventually decided that we were going to buy a house and that we would buy a house in Lancaster because David had a, a you know solid group of friends here from Sight and Sound. Mm. I grew up here, like the area. It's like, well, if we're going to live here, we're going to live in Hemfield because that's a great school. That's where I went to school. So we bought a house, and he was still on the road, and I was here, started a voice studio. He came off the road and then did uh, Sight and Sound for a while. Um, and then I took a day job at um, a Christian school, teaching music and directing choirs and doing the shows. So... This is like, you know, God's plan for my life, not having any idea what was going on. Um, actually, I didn't mean to take the day job. <laughs> Someone contacted me and was like, hey, I, I took a soccer coach position at the school. That's what happened first. Did coaching and the music teacher was leaving mm. and the head administrator was leaving. Somebody new was coming in. So one of my friends <laughs> gave my name to the new administrator was like, hey, you need to hire this person for your music teacher. And so I got a phone call saying like, hey, will you come in and meet with the board and whatever? I was like, um, I, I don't know if I want to do this. I never wanted to teach middle school. Really? And that's why I didn't get a degree in music education. It's <laughs> like, if I teach, I want to teach in college. I don't want to teach. I don't want to teach. I just, I just wanted to teach people that wanted to be there. Fair enough. As opposed to, you know, middle schoolers right. that are forced to be there. Uh, so um, went to this interview. I don't even I don't even know why I did, but I did. And they they loved me and they offered me a job. And I said, OK, well, I actually have this audition coming up. So let me just go to this audition and see what's going on. So it was an audition for company, Stephen Sondheim musical mm -hmm. on Broadway which at the time they were taking an out-of-town cast and bringing them to Broadway, and that happens all the time, but then they have to cast understudies or, you know, swings, covers, whatever you want to call them. <clears throat> so they were going to hire covers, and one person would cover three roles. 
which meant that cover had to play multiple instruments. Do you see where this is going? So I'm like, oh, if if ever, (laughs) if ever there's a moment for me on Broadway. And up to this point, I had had several callbacks for Broadway shows. Um, Yeah, like the funniest story was I was in New York with my newborn son and auditioning for a show. I don't even remember what show it was. But in the same building, there was, you know, always multiple auditions going on. There was an audition for Mamma Mia. And my dad was always wanting me to audition for that show. Loves ABBA, loves the music. I was like, no, that's not, that's not me. I'm not going to do that. Well, it was right there. So right. I was like, sure, why not? So went in. And so they had so many girls there. I don't even know if it was. It must have been like a Sophie call, which is like the main girl in the show. I don't know. Long story short, they had to type, which is where... There are too many girls to sit and listen to. So they bring people in. And this is actually in Denise's monologue from Smoke on the Mountain. So like they marched us in 10 to a row and looked up and down the line and said, you little girl. So it was just like that. (laughs) They had there were 10 of us in the room, literally stood in a line. They had a table. Two men stood there with our headshots and resumes. They'd look at our headshot, look at us, flip it over, look at the resume, look at us, go to the next person, talk a little bit. And decided who was going to stay and would get to sing. Wow. So here I am, like literally with a newborn. And there's like these high school girls, college girls. I waited two years to go back for my degree. So I was like four years out of high school. Mm. And here are these, you know, really young girls. Not that I didn't look young, but it was, I had a baby. Like it was just funny. So got to sing. And this is the story I tell my my voice students all the time, like why you should be prepared, why you should have something from every genre in your book. The best I could come up with for this audition was Someone to Watch Over Me, which is a Gershwin song. And that's what I sang for my Mamma Mia audition. So Mamma Mia was already running on Broadway. Fast forward three months, three months. I was in my grandma's apartment and I got a phone call that I got a call back for Sophie and, you know, here, prepare this, this, and this, come on this date. So it was just like this crazy, crazy thing. Wow. So anyway, yeah. So I had had many callbacks and never landed the job. So this, this company, I'm like, okay, I'm playing upright bass, piano, and what else did I play? I think probably violin. Hmm. And uh, I got a callback. So I was like, wow, this is awesome. So I told like the guy who had offered me the job, I was like, I got a call back. So I, I mean, I have to do this. He's like, it's okay. We'll wait. It's like, okay. So went to a call back, got another call back. I was like, I got, I got another call back. Like I, you know. It's moving. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, it's okay. When God closes that door, we'll be, it was like, no, God's not closing this door. This is it. <laughs> wow. Fast forward, final call back everybody's in the room, like all like the producing team, all of the people like super scary. And there were four girls and they were going to hire two. Mm. And we each played a different combination of instruments. So it, it was the perfect, the perfect rejection because I mean, clearly I didn't get the gig, right? right yes. So <laughs> it was the perfect rejection because I left that not thinking that I wasn't good enough but just that it, it wasn't the right combination. It wasn't right. the right mix of instruments. So the other girl that didn't get it, like we became great friends and we're friends to this day. And she came down to Lancaster. We had, you know, had lunch and That's awesome. um, we bonded over our rejection. Uh, we've seen each other at multiple auditions since then. But um, yeah, so it was a great experience, almost opportunity. And then, and I saw it, you can watch it on like, PBS or the Broadway HD, and it was not great. It was not a great oh, wow. show. Um, I think the current company is much better, um, which is closing now anyway. But um, yeah, so that was that. And so I took the job and ended up there for 11 years. And I taught three-year-olds and four-year-olds and then fifth through 12th grade. And I did choirs would get in as much as I could. So like some years I was able to teach music theory. Some years I did like a, I don't know, general like performance practices class. Mm -hmm. Um, They went from doing the show 
a musical once every other year to I was doing like two shows a year. I mean, a big show. And then we would do like a review or right. something like that, which then turned into a talent show um, with the extra give like that whole thing. So through those years and that small program, I ended up having to do everything by myself. So to like sometimes designing the posters to doing the programs, to making the tickets, to costuming, choreographing, all of the things. And so all of that prepared me. I kept thinking like, God, why? Why? <laughs> like, this is so hard. Right, and yeah. what is all of this for? And I started, like, people talk about the seven-year itch in marriage. And I never felt that in my marriage, but I felt it in my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After seven years, I was like, I feel like I shouldn't be here anymore, like that there's something else for me, but I didn't know what it was. And I stayed there a long time. And um, finally, it was just them, uh, a situation where I was going to acquire a lot more teaching and not be compensated differently for it. And um, I felt like I had taken the program as far as I could take it with what I had Mm -hmm. in budget and with help from parents or whatever and so I was like it, I think it's time I think it's time to leave so I left not really knowing what was next or what I was going to do other than we always had this idea for red accordion and so once I left then it was like what if I so my husband was teaching here and they have like a deal if you you know if your spouse wants to go to school here can. they can so I was like, what if I get what if I get a degree in business and learn more about it? Because I was so scared. I was so scared to start to start it. Because I didn't know what I was doing. So I was like, what if I get a degree? So then we decide, okay, maybe we're maybe we'll do this. So I went through the process and then they're like, oh, well, you have a master's degree, so this doesn't apply to you. You can't, you can't get a degree. I was like, oh, okay. It's only for people that don't have bachelors. So I was like, oh, okay. All right. So we're in Arizona on vacation. Like my parents live there visiting. And all of a sudden I get this email saying, oh, um, they've decided that that you can do it. And class starts Monday. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I was like, oh, OK. Great. Um, so, yeah, I did like smushed the degree into how many semesters? Two, Two? maybe three, maybe three. Wow. I think it was three because I graduated in December. OK. So I doubled up on class. I was like, can I double up on classes? Because they were telling me how long it was going to take. I was like, I already have degrees. Like, do I still, like, do I have to take this class? Right. So they're like, well, you probably, you could probably double up, like, based on your, your transcripts, like your grades, which mm-hmm. were much better in grad school. Uh, you could, you could double up and whatever. So that's what I did and finished in three semesters. And so learned every project that I did while I was in school here. Um, I geared towards Red Accordion. So like we had to, you know, build a business model or do a business plan or do a pitch or whatever. Like I was all real life. Like right. this is what I wanted to be. So all of the feedback that I got and everything was, you know, for something tangible and not like I would have been maybe in college. Like, I don't know, maybe I'll do a mowing business or right, know, right, like of course. something. Yeah. So that was, that was very helpful. And so I graduated in December and I started, I think the official start date of the business was April 1st. Of course. So, yeah. So, yeah. And the, the whole red accordion thing was, um, when, when my husband and I got married, you know, it's traditional to give each other a gift. And (laughs) when, when I met my husband, I was in, in Smoke on the Mountain and there's an accordion in Smoke on the Mountain, but only the preacher plays it. Nobody else plays it. And I was, um, looking into the future and some other shows that have accordion. I was like, I should learn how to play this. So I was learning how to play, but I didn't have one. And so my husband called me on the phone in the, um, in the hotel room. So like you usually get a hotel room to prep. Like all the girls are in there getting ready or whatever. So he called the room and he's like, go look in the shower. I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so I went in the shower. There was like this case in there. So he gave me a red accordion. Oh, so that's awesome. When we were when we were trying to come up with a name, like I, I'm so against using like my own name for things. And 
we, we were going through all these possibilities and we're like, what if we call it Red Accordion? And so like through the years, like I'd talk to people about like, you know, opening my theater company or whatever. They're like, what would you call it? And I told them and always got good feedback and oh, well, that, I'll remember that. And yeah. yeah, things like that. So can't spell it, but right, people <laughs> remember I don't know it. it. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. So we're kind of running out of radio time. So if you want to check out Jen and all of her upcoming projects, uh, what have you got coming up? Um, well, yeah, that's an interesting, interesting story. <laughs> Not too much. Once COVID happened, mm-hmm. live Red Accordion shows kind of got pushed to the side. We've done a couple virtual shows. Um, so right now, Red Accordion is mainly my voice studio. I do have a show that I still have the rights for that is sitting right there. And um, once I figure out what my children's lives look like (laughs) in the next little bit, um, that may or may not be happening. But if you're interested in voice lessons, yeah, you can go to my website and check out what I'm all about. That's redaccordion.com. And for those who can't spell accordion, that is (laughs) A-C-C-O-R-D-I-O-N. Yeah. And I've had many troubles trying to spell accordion. It's just that that O at the end. People want to make an A. An A, yeah. Accordion. Right, yeah. Yeah. Well, tricky. Right now, we're gonna play a few songs, and then we'll keep going on FacebookLive.com. If you want to follow us there, you can search up Facebook. Go to Facebook.com forward slash the story Corey Rosen. If you want to listen to Spotify, Apple. YouTube, even now, you can search up The Story, Corey Rosen. That's C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N. Find us there. We're going to keep going after these few songs. This song is, I should introduce the song. (laughs) (laughs) This song is a song I wrote uh, two years ago during the pandemic where everything shut down and it was, everything was going away. Everything uh, was crashing down, especially for us music folk. Yeah, no theater shows. No theater shows, (laughs) no live music. No, nothing. And forget about Zoom. People say it's a substitute. Uh, virtual voice lessons, you know? Virtual choirs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. God, no. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to figure out, uh, follow Dr. Bigley over Zoom in my house was oh, just yeah. nightmarish. That doesn't work. Not live. Not no. live. No, not at all. Uh, but, and so, but what I realized was that there is one thing that really remains, and that's God. Mm-hmm. And so this is my song, You Remain. When I am weak, can no longer speak, you are there right beside me. When all hope is lost and I can't bear the cost, you are there paying it for me. And when things turn to dust and there's nothing to trust, you are there. To me, oh, it's clear who you're meant to be. You are my strength, you are my faith. When all things fade away, you. That's me. 
that was my song, You Remain. You can find that on all streaming platforms as well. But we're going to continue going on Facebook Live and talk about Red Accordion Studios. If you want to check that out, please be sure to follow us on Instagram or Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the story, Corey Rosenbaum. We're going to get you guys back to the radio.